We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Roto Grinders today. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. You're gonna follow me on Twitter. And it's Friday, February 23rd. We'll be taking a look at tomorrow's UFC Mexico slate. 13 fights as of now. As of now, they're going through weigh-ins. We, we, we may not, we may be losing a fight. You never know. But uh, but we'll be going over that. It's a it's intriguing card, a little bit, a little bit different, I think, a little different context than than usual. But hit that thumbs up button on your way in the door. I'll wave my thumbs at you. Yes, John's waving the thumbs, waving the goddamn thumbs. Hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. If you want NBA content later today on uh, Grinders Live, Crunch Time, we got some NBA games today. So check out uh, that on the channel later today. I'm here with Squirrel Patrol, John Breslin, for a 13-fight card. I I I like the larger cards, right? Right. Once we get the 13, 14, 15 fight cards, you know, definitely beats, you know, the 10, 11, 12 fight nights or whatever that some of those are coming up. Uh, it's in Mexico. It's not a pay-per-view, but we do have two five round fights. On the slate. And we also don't have a single fight that is over lightweight. So this is a lot of. 125s, 135s, 145, like the the smaller fighters, right? They're in Mexico, by a lot of Mexican fighters. Uh, does that change your, uh, I mean, we'll talk about the two five-round fights in a second, but just from a fight perspective, I know the Ground and Pound podcast will be coming out soon for premium members. Liam and Mike will break it all down. But do you, uh, do you take a look at how, DraftKings scoring works and how the, it may be contextually different when we have so many fights that are going to be featured in the lower weight classes. Well, and I think we're at elevation too. Um, so I do think like they didn't want like the heavyweights out there stumbling around <laughs> in the high elevation, um, you know, gassing out. So I think cardio is a factor. And I do think 
that, yeah, with the later weight classes, you tend to see a little bit more action. Uh, I think we could see some high scores because I think you could see if a fighter does like gas out and, uh, you know, then you could potentially see their opponent suddenly rack up a lot of points very quickly, uh, you know, with a lot of like, you know, either ground and pound, but, you know, strikes or, or standing strikes. Um, so it, it weighs into my, my thinking a little bit. I think what really weighs into my thinking is that we're in Mexico. There's a lot of Mexican fighters. Uh, we, you know, we saw in, in Canada, the Canada Canadian fighters did very, very well. In Paris, the French fighters did very, very well. Um, I would expect the Mexican fighters to do very, very well here. Now that's obviously going to be like baked into the, to the lines already. Um, I don't know if it gets baked in enough. Um, I, I do think there's like, you know, home, home octagon advantage, just like, you know, in, in BA, like, you know, Denver has a big advantage playing at home at elevation, you know, and it, it affects the refs, um, you know, and I think it affects the judges even more in UFC where they're trying to judge sometimes a, a close fight, you know, who's, like whose strikes were more impactful? Like while well, one fighter had the crowd going, ah, you know, every time they they landed a strike and the other didn't. Uh, so I, I think it makes a, an impact. Um, so that's that's kind of my thought process with this card. Yeah. Also, when it comes to the lighter the lighter weight classes, you say there's more action, but it's let not necessarily finishing action, but more volume. The lower right. weight classes tends to feature more striking. Less wrestling, although we do have some some grapplers on 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 the slate, but like heavyweight fights, the the reason why heavyweight fights are high variance is because one punch could knock anyone out at that weight class, and you get guys that either win in the first round or by the third round they're just stumbling. Both guys are just stumbling around, and the winner scores like fifty four points because. They just they just don't throw enough volume here at the lower weight classes. They throw a lot of volume, but you don't see as many knockouts, right? You may get a, a grounded pound finish or anything, but I think focusing on the fighters, I mean, without looking at odds and without looking at projections, focusing on the fighters that have high volume out the fights, at least that look to be high volume from a striking perspective maybe much more worthwhile on this slate as opposed to other slates where we have a mix of weight classes where, well, you got, you know, a, a, a welterweight or a middleweight that, you know, does some wrestling, you know, it has some grappling, some things like that. So like on this slate, we have guys like Nymoff or Rosa's junior uh, Cheris to some extent, uh, even like Ronnie Barcellus, uh, that have some like wrestling in their bat in their in, in bat. Well, Nymov and Ro Rosas are most likely going to be grappling. Uh, but guys like Manuel Torres and Yair Rodriguez, I mean, even, even on the lower level, even, I mean, Ricky Tercios, they're, they're guys that they could easily in three rounds, put up 200, 250 strikes in, in a fight. Maybe they're not all significant strikes. Uh, but we may not necessarily see finishes in these fights, but the winner in three rounds at this weight class could still put up 90 to 100 points as opposed to the heavier weight classes where if they go to decision, typically your fight is busting at that point. So I'm less inclined, This is this, especially if you look down the card on the ITD lines, 
like for the, with the exception of maybe like two or three guys, like the ITD lines are like like the same for like everyone in some extent. Right? You take a look in the mid-range, it's like everyone's in this like 35 to 42% range. Even at the high end, yeah, you got Cherries, you got Nymoff that are over 50%. At the low end, you have like Altamirano and Hughes who probably aren't finishing anyone. Uh, it may be one of the few slates, John, that I'm not waiting winning inside the distance as much because it's quite possible at these striking volumes that an early second round finish from one fighter may not even outscore a third round decision from another fighter. Yeah, that's actually, I, I haven't really thought about it in that exact manner, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's, it's going to be somewhat like high variance because you, you aren't necessarily like seeing a guy who's got to get, you know, two thirds chance of winning or you know, 50% chance of winning in the first round. Um, you know, and I guess, you, you know, see some variance there where I would be either, you know, get the, the early finish or not. And if they don't, it's, it's not very high scoring. Um, this one, you can see some fighters where you're not necessarily expecting uh, that they're going to put up a high score. But if they get get the really high volume, they can. I do think there'll be some grappling. And I mean, I, I we still have some pretty decent, you know, inside the distance lines. Um, we do. We have to see what happens with the Chiras uh, Lacerda fight <laughs> because that's one of the ones that's really expected to end inside the distance. And now both players have missed weight, which may make it more likely that the fight's on. Um, yeah, rather than one fighter missing weight. Uh, but we got to see what the exact details are there. Uh, before we talk about that fight, let's talk about the the fact that there's two five-round fights on the slate. A lot of times, especially not on non-pay-per-views, we don't, we don't have two five-round fights. So Moreno and Roy Val, five-rounder. Rodriguez and Ortega, five-rounder. Uh, they're priced in the mid-range. Moreno, 8,800. Rodriguez, 8,500. Ortega seventy seven hundred, Royval seventy four hundred. Uh it's a thirteen fight card, assuming that everyone you know plays it and we're we're good. Uh you have to expect that. I mean, I'm assuming Moreno is going to be one of, if not the highest stone fighter on the entire slate, uh, especially against Brandon Royval, who probably has mo- a chance to win in like the first round or two. And I I don't I'm I mean he's not the type he's a he's a pseudo killer be killed type of type of fighter, uh, but Rodriguez and Ortega they both have decent inside the distance lines. Obviously Ortega you know, hasn't fought in a while. Uh, if these fights go the distance with the 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 striking volume, I mean of Rodriguez and Ortega. The winner of that fight is going to score massively in a decision. Uh, but I think Moreno and Roy Val, like Roy, like, I don't know. I don't, it feels, it feels to me that when the, the, our uh, optimal rates, our Sims come out, right. Which will come out later today for premium members. So click on that link in the description and get uh, $10 off your first month. I, I get the sense that, these guys are going to tower over how often that, like, I think a lineup that doesn't include a single five-round fighter is going to have such a low optimal rate that I don't even know if I would consider playing anyone, 
like at any lineup that doesn't at least contain yeah. one of these fighters. And I think there are enough paths that playing both two five round fights, the you know, obviously only one fighter from each fight, uh, is just going to prove out to be much more likely to hit because it's hard. It's hard at these prices for them to fail with striking volume in five rounds. Yeah, I, I agree. I would be surprised. I'll, I'll probably in my 150 sets maybe have a fight, you know, or, or maybe have a handful of lineups that don't have either. That would probably be a mistake on my part that it just ends up happening. Um, I like, I think you could definitely like fade maybe one of the fights. Um, I don't, I can't see myself not having any fighter from, uh, like, I don't think that's a smart lineup, you know, having my, you know, none of the fighters from the two five round fights. I don't know how many people are going to realize the Ortega, yeah, Rodriguez fight is actually five rounds because I, I don't really understand why it is five rounds. Um, but it is, and I think that does add to the upside for that fight. Um, I particularly like Ortega, but uh, you know, at, at his price, and actually, I kind of like Roy Bell as well. I, I, I don't necessarily like Roy Bell to win the fight, but I'll be over the projected ownership if that makes sense. Um, and I, I do think that Brandon Marino is an interesting fade, um, not because of you know price, but maybe because of ownership. Like, I do think there's a chance that like, I think the chance that he wins the fight but doesn't land on the winning lineup, especially with the other five round fight, is going to be underestimated. Uh, so I like the idea maybe of being a little bit under the field on, on Brandon Moreno. Uh, but I think that's actually a, it's a scary fate uh, because he's not low volume. He's just not particularly high volume where you have to say, like, oh, if he, like, if, if it, if he wins a decision, he, he definitely is going to land on the winning line. Like it, it's possible he ends up in the 90s, kind of similar to, to Nakamura last week, where you know, I thought you know, was, Nakamura was going to be, was, and I thought he you know, was going to be extremely popular, but it's, it's possible that he just gets like a 90 point win. Um, and doesn't necessarily end on the optimal lineup. Well, the thing the thing that that makes Moreno such a good like play is that he's eighty eight hundred and he's currently minus three hundred to win. And you typically don't even get those win odds. Like if they were if they reprice if DraftKings repriced the fights, I mean, there's been enough line movement since this card has come out that based on win odds only. Some of these fighters are just underpriced or overpriced. I mean, we have uh, Moreno at minus 300 at 8,800. We got Manuel Torres at minus 200 at 8,300. Mendonca uh, is minus 215 at 8,400. Uh, and then you obviously got Jeregui and Chérez and Naimov for all like minus 500 plus. Uh, the, thing that, the thing that scares me about fading Moreno is that Brent, like, Brandon Royval, if he wins, I would I would be very hard for me to say that he's not optimal because he most yeah. likely wins in the first round or two, and he's at seventy four hundred. He's going to score enough that in his win condition, he's he's going to be optimal. The thing about Moreno is that in his last bunch of fights, like his scoring in wins have been like eighties, nineties, even in these five round fights. But he's been facing much better competition than Brendan Royval. So, like, my the the scary part of me is that I agree. Like, Brandon Moreno's eighty eight hundred, and he could easily get ninety six points in a win and get priced out of the of the top lineup because someone above him, Rosa scores a hundred, Nymov scores one hundred two, whatever. Manuel Torres is one ten. Uh, 
But Roy Bell's the type of fighter that, like Moreno, I mean, it, Moreno could just run him over. I mean, and Moreno, it's it's not, and it's the thing is about these fights is that if it's one sided, it may not even be like a finish. It may just be like round after round of punishment, right? You could see uh, someone like Naimov against Eric Silva, you know, just like three rounds of two takedowns each and tons of ground and pound. And he ends up with 167 points because the line should have been even wider in that scenario. So when you have five rounds to work with, I don't know. Cause Moreno is not necessarily as much of a, I mean, plus 135 looks good when in comparison to like a three round fight, but it's plus it's plus one in 35 within five rounds. So that, that isn't as great of an ITD line as you would think, but he's minus 300 to win at 8,800. And I mean, I'm not saying that, that you can't make lineups without Moreno. It just, I look at these five round fights and I go, they got five rounds to work with. I, it's, it's like, if I don't have Moreno in the lineup, I have Yari Rodriguez in the lineup because I mean, he, that fight is much closer. So that that Rodriguez is minus one fifty six, uh, Ortega's uh, plus one thirty six, but it's quite possible the line should be wider depending on you know what Ortega looks like, or it could be the opposite and Ortega comes out and finishes Yari Rodriguez. It still comes down to maybe I'm just repeating myself that. Now I think I'm going to be making fifty sixty lineups tomorrow, and I just maybe just make make a group that says at least one of any of these guys and maybe possibly a lot of my lineups just have two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally reasonable. I just, I get worried. Like what if Moreno gets like an early second round win, you know, and it's, it's 88 points. And then, right. yeah, that, I think that's a, that's a concern. I think the field will underestimate. I think, especially with the narrative, like the, the fights in Mexico city, uh, you know, brand Moreno, uh, I so you know former champion. So I do think that there's a possibility he gets an early second round win, and that like that's a possibility for all fighters. But it's a it's a reason that you know maybe the highest owned fighter is going to be end up being overwhelmed, and I think that the highest owned fighter in this case is, is Brandon Moreno. Um, it's interesting because there is a lot of like line equity or like equity for the price, but it almost all starts to cancel each other out. Like yeah, you don't usually see. Fighters, you know, priced at at was eighty yeah, three hundred for Manuel Torres uh, that have such a high chance of winning, but you know, with so many of the fighters, <laughs> like it doesn't really stand out that much when you look at all the other other fighters uh, because I guess there are just some lopsided lines, um, you know. And so I don't know that like Torres is probably the best example where you're getting you know some real you know win equity for the price. Um, but it's not as much as it might be on a, on another card. Right, but you also get he's the best. He's the third highest ITD line. I mean the to- yeah. the Torres Duncan fight. Uh, outside, I think the two fights that are most likely to end inside the distance are Torres Duncan and Cheres De Silva. Are you prioritizing like? Like, to me, on the high end, I'm much more concerned, like what you said about someone winning but not putting up a high enough score. And we talk about this all the time when it comes to field size. 
So the when you're playing the larger field stuff, optimal rates matter a lot more because the winning lineup tends to be the optimal or at least close to the optimal. So Moreno scoring 98 points and being the eighth highest scorer and not making the optimal lineup, large field, that's bad. But in small field, you could still win, you know, a 500-person field with that. But with these two fights, like, I'm much more likely to side with the lower-priced fighter. I'm not talking about the underdog, but the lower... Like, I'm much more likely to play Manuel Torres than Edgar Chérez, right? With those two fights, most likely to end inside the distance. Because Chérez is 9,300, and him scoring... He could score... He could le- he could legitimately score 115 points and still not make the optimal. Manuel Torres scoring 115 points at 8,300. I don't know. I would kind of bet a lot of money that at that price, it's going to be hard for him not to be a, a top four scorer, top five scorer on the entire slate. So I tend to side with if there's a mispricing or, you know, like I, I, I'd much rather play a lineup into 48% Manuel Torres ownership than 32% Edgar Chera's ownership. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, yeah, Jairus definitely has a high, better chance of being priced off the winning lineup. And Torres, like I was giving him an example that like the win equity doesn't necessarily stand out as much as it does. But yeah, also having one of the highest inside the distance lines helps a lot, especially for that price. So I don't think I'm going to like aim to be under the field on Torres. Uh, I think he's got you know, as good a chance as any probably any other fighter as having the highest score because um, he could you know has a pretty decent chance of a first round finish. Um, I, you know, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're assuming the Chara's fight <laughs> goes on. I, I kind of like him as a fighter because he, he has a pretty good chance of inside the distance as well. Um, he just doesn't like to kind of stand out next to, to Torres, but I think he's still one of the, my favorite players on the card. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how, how badly we need the, the salary as well. Uh, because when you have, if you have a couple of underdogs start to win, then suddenly salary, you know, the the highest priced fighters don't have to put up such an outlier score to, to land on the winning lineup or to land on the optimal lineup even um because suddenly you have that salary. So at the high end, when we're talking about those cases, we got other fighters up here. We got the only female fight on the slate, Yasmin Uregui against Sam Hughes. She's the biggest favorite on the slate, minus six hundred. You got Felipe Dos Santos at minus two ninety against Victor Altamirano. Then you got Naimov Silva. Naimov's a minus 575 favorite currently with a minus 135 inside the distance. And then you got Raul Roses Jr., what the 19-year-old kid against uh, Ricky Tercios, who is also young. And, and Rosas is minus 220 inside, uh, 220 win equity. And obviously with uh, Naimov and Rosas, you have, you have wrestling, right? Naimov is primarily a wrestler. Rosas is primarily, you know, jujitsu i mean the the issue that typically roses has is that he doesn't doesn't really strike on the ground right tends to be like submit if he gets a first round submission like that's great but if he gets a second round of submission he may not may not score as well as you you would hope for uh and then you got obviously uh dos santos altamirano which is the worst inside the distance line on the slate and uh Altamirano isn't bad but I mean the likely I mean he doesn't finish anyone I mean this is this is a fight that's most likely they're going to go to decision 
And then you have uh, Yasmin Uregui, who essentially is just just a striker, right? Against Sam Hughes, who I don't want to say is, is is bad, but I think you know the talent gap is wide enough. Obviously, they're they're fighting in Mexico, and Yasmin is from Mexico. Uh, she's going to be kind of reliant. She to me at ninety five hundred, like there there are paths where she where she could score a knockout at the end of the first round and still not make the optimal lineup. Right. Because it really doesn't have any other paths other than a knockout to score a hundred points. You know, I, I always say I make, I, I've, I've made my, I've made most of my GPP wins on taking these higher priced low, like not, not good inside the distance line, female fighters, because they're going to be low owned. I don't know if I, I, I mean, I said it about Miranda Maverick last late. I just see, I just see too many paths. I mean, dude, I see so many people in the mid range that can outscore her in and of themselves. She has to outscore everyone. Like, it's yeah. not just like, oh, she has to put up a good score. Like, no, she has to literally, she must have at least a top six score. And even then she could get priced out if not enough underdogs win. So what are your thoughts on, like, I don't want to play, Ch- who wants to play Chera's Nymoff Moreno lineups or any, like, these lineups, like, with, when you're 30% this guy, 38% that guy, 42%, like, is the way to get different with these, someone at the top over here, or is it more in the bottom range? We'll talk about the underdogs in a second. Yeah, I, I want to get to Yasmin, you know, just for the contrarian angle, but it's just so hard. Like, I just can't see it unless she starts grappling, uh, which I, is like a possibility, but I just think it's unlikely. And it, you're right. Like she has to do so much. And there's, there's a uh, $200 gap between her and Chires, you know, as the next most expensive fighter. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't like being under the field on a fighter who's almost certainly going to win, almost certainly going to have like a dominant win um, and isn't highly owned. But yeah, I just don't see her putting up a top six score. Um, small, small. Fa- if you're playing small field, I could yeah. see doing that. If you're playing very yeah. small field, if you wanted to, but but you get you you. I mean, you. I could tell from your voice, you get it by like, like, dude. This she may be in a case where she needs a quick win bonus to make the optimal lineup. Like that's right. That may be the only path to get there. And like, who wants to? Who wants to? I don't care that she's going to be like 12 percent owned. Like. That doesn't happen less, more than 10, 12% of the time. Yeah, I agree. And actually, last fight, she was the one that gave up the quick win bonus. <laughs> yeah, she was knocked out. <laughs> the first punch from um, D. Gomes. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. And if somebody gets a, a win inside the first minute, it's almost you know, you know, potentially going to be like somebody just falls down, right? Like, and so it might just be Sam Hughes <laughs> winning the, the, um, you know, the, the quick win bonus, something like that. Like, then it's kind of like off the expected path for the fight. Um, yeah, so, like, I love the idea of, of trying to be contrarian and get over the field on on Yasmin. I just don't think I'll, I'm going to get there just because I, I don't see her putting up the volume necessary to put up a monster score. Um, you know, I'll probably own her at the rate, you know, for whatever the implied odds are for, like, a first-round win. But I think that's going to probably be 20% or less. I can see our sim. I can see our sims when they come out later today, have her optimal rate be like 6% or something. And maybe, maybe for the highest price fighter with the best win odds, she may have, she may have 
a lower chance of being optimal than Sam Hughes for opponent. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm guessing the Sims will have her at 20% or less. Um, probably not 20%, probably like 15% or so, 15 to 20%. Um, maybe lower, but yeah, that'll be interesting. So uh, you you like focusing on the underdogs on your, your Squirrel Patrol's takedowns article, right? It's not hitting the nuts. It's the takedowns. You different yeah. different branding for for MMA. So so what what underdogs? I mean, obviously we got Royal, we got Ortega there, the the five round underdogs. We kind of covered them. So if you're going to be making these lineups with you know Naimov and Rosas and Jarris and Moreno and you know you're throwing in Emmanuel Torres, and it's like okay, I got to take a shot on on someone someone down here, and uh, you know. They're not bet. I mean, from a win condition, I mean, there are there there are people down there that could win. There's some people that have you know decent shots at maybe getting a finish. I'm not I'm not all that enthused about the underdogs this week. But what do you, what which ones are you looking at more? Uh, so I think I'll probably target some of the Mexican underdogs um yeah i think so also so that's Marino. it don't even bother with the projections don't who cares yeah. about the numbers right who cares about you just go <laughs> your john is your attitude that uh you just have to in your model you just said if this goes to the decision mexican fighter wins so you're just giving 30 points to the mexican fighter in those in those outcomes in your simulations just like nope mexican fighter wins decision so i mean truthfully I don't even think that's a, that's that. I don't even think that's a bad thought process. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes we don't have to overcomplicate things. Uh, so yeah, I, I do. I mean, I kind of like Victor Altamirano. I mean, he's seven thousand, so like he doesn't need to do a whole lot. Like that might not be one of the highest paced fights on the card, uh, but that's more a problem for Felipe dos Santos than it is for Victor Altamirano. Uh, so even though he doesn't have like the highest win odds, um, I think you know they're. They're high enough, right? Um, so if he wins between a quarter and a third of the time, like he should definitely be owned uh, probably at that rate. So I think he's going to end up being under-owned. I think that's probably something that will come across in our sims. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Um, I do like the two lower-priced uh, five-round fighters like Ortega and Roy Val. I like Ortega like a lot more than Roy Val, um, but like Roy Val is going to see minuscule ownership. So I don't... I don't love the idea, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end up being over the field on Brandon Ryback. Like I think that's because I think he's gonna see very low ownership, um, like potentially even lower than we've got projected. I think we've got well, I guess we've got projected for about fifteen percent. Um, but I, yeah, I see him being in that fifteen to twenty percent range, and like he should be, yeah, you know, he, he's got about a twenty-five to thirty percent chance of winning the fight. And I, I just have such a hard time seeing a situation where he wins the fight and doesn't land on the winning line at seventy-four hundred. Um, Christian Canones is a fighter. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's, uh, let me make sure. Yeah, he's Mexican. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I uh, like him. Um, and I, I think, you know, that's a fight that's probably more of a coin flip than anything else. But again, it's at 7,600, like the coin flip fighter, you know, the lower price fighter um, should be probably higher owned in, in a coin flip situation. Um, and then his Jesus Aguilar, again, uh, the Mexican fighter. Um, but he, he's a fighter that's actually shown some knockout ability. Um, I think he can grapple as well. Um, he's actually beaten Edgar Chares, 
uh, earlier in their careers in a pre-UFC fight. So I think that's that's noteworthy. Um, I don't think he's necessarily as good as he looked in his last fight when he like knocked out Chandler Ross and threw you know, two punches. I think it was the first or second punch. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I don't think he's necessarily that good. I'm not expecting like first round, you know, early win knockout or anything like that. Um, but again, he's you know underdog priced. Uh, so I think if you're going for underdog, I think you should see some higher ownership. And then you, know, you could always put more money backing Daniel De Silva Lacerda. Because that's what I've done. I mean, it's he's a Ponzi scheme because, you know, from the from the from the outset, it's like this is the type of guy that could finish that, and he's come close to finishing people in the first round and then dying. Yeah. Uh, this is probably his last chance. So, uh, you want to take a shot on it? I mean, sixty nine sixty nine hundred for a guy that had that has like uh, the odds of him winning in the first round. A, a car currently, I see offshore or like plus 350 or something plus four i mean like like essentially his win odds are his in the first round like it's like that's like kind of his win condition uh i can't turn down that at 6900 because like sam hughes if she wins somehow wins a decision in mexico like she may score like 58 points or 62 points but I want like I almost prefer to uh, in larger field to play Lacerda than Alta Morano because Alta Morano could get you know oh, seventy points in a decision win and yeehaw small field much better cash games much better but the Silva Lacerda it's like okay give me a hundred points kid uh when you don't I'm like okay I'm gonna just I just I need to make all my money back from playing you know every slate I would have like twenty five thirty percent of this guy. And be like, is this the time? Is this the time? And then it's it's never the time. Yeah, we'll he's a bad fighter. By the- I just want to be clear, he's a hot. He's awful. Like yeah. I'm not like he's like like this guy should be good. And why is he zero four? It's like no, this guy's awful. It's just that he has no defense and he flails at you and he hopes like he could get some wheel kick or some some flying triangle or something like that. So like, as opposed to to other guys on, on the card down here. Like you don't expect Sam Hughes to come out or, or Victor Altamirano to come out or, I mean, Claudio Puelas at least like, okay, he could go for a first round submission. Right. But like, these aren't guys that like come out bad out of hell and just go, I'm just going to waste five minutes of cardio. And then if I don't, then just, I hope to finish me and then put me out of my misery. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Daniel Lacerda da Silva. Um, I made the joke with uh, H3 Buddha before the, on the MMA crunch time five months ago for this exact same fight that we were making a joke that he was going to change his name again and come back and try to pretend he was a different fighter to you know still be in the UFC. And five months later, I'm still breaking down the same fight <laughs> um, because he because it was a uh, it was an early uh, it was like incorrect uh, fight stoppage last time. So Chires was basically winning the fight. I think maybe uh, Chara's like, or sort of maybe tapped out, or um, he appeared to be out, and so the the ref stopped the fight, but he wasn't really out. So they they're going to make them fight right. again. They're going to make Chara's win again. Um, I think I'm seeing that the fight is officially on now, um, and then actually, I, I think Chara's may have like started rehydrating or something, so that's why he missed weight so badly. Uh, but they basically already agreed to, to fight at the catch weight. When uh, when Chires got on the scale, 
So like he was okay. already started to drink water and put bleach. Okay, so he probably he probably caught more than one thirty one. Yeah, knew he wasn't going to make one twenty five, and then they both said, "Let's just fight at one thirty, and I'm going to start eating again." <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he had to like get on the scale anyway. Uh, right. So, so, but I, I, it's like sometimes the line does move a little bit when you have these, like, you know, a, a change in in weight class. This, you know, this instance, it's going to a catch weight. Um, yeah, I agree. I think you know, La Silva, Lasarda, Lacerda, <laughs> La Silva is going to come in with very low ownership. And it's one of those situations where in my 150 set, I am going to get over the what I expect to be very low ownership because he does have a chance to win in you know in the first round. I mean he's he's kind of first rounder bust. I think the uh, CJ Vergara fight was his the first last fight he had that wasn't Edgar Chavez. Um and he he came close to winning that fight a couple of times in, in the first round. So uh, and like that's going to be a massive score if he gets there at, at his price. That's going to put him on the winning lineup. Um, I'd probably rather go with Brandon Roy Bell. <laughs> you know, with if I'm going to have that mindset on a fighter, I'm probably going with Roy Bell. Um, but I'll be over the field on on Lacerda, or at least over what I expect his his projected ownership to be. Um, Puerles, Claudio Puerles is, is a fighter I'm probably going to avoid. Uh, actually, I don't go to a ton of UFC fights, but I did go to one with with DraftKings last year. It was, um, you know, the card at Madison Square Garden that Puelas was on. Uh, he was literally just on his back the entire time. And Dan Hooker, like, wouldn't engage. So it was one of those ones where the ref had to keep telling Puelas, you got to get, you know, you have to stand up and fight. Um, and then he would just, like, flop on his back again as soon as Hooker touched him. Because he's trying to get that, like, uh, you know, that knee bar or submission or whatever. Um I don't know. I I think he has a chance to put up a very low score. Even right, but also also John, he's facing Ferez Ziam, who he's kind of a boring fighter. Also, like I look at this, yeah. like I think Ziam is the type of fighter that, like, if he's up on the scorecards, feel free to just lie and flop. And if you want to flop and try to, like, okay, we're just gonna slow this all the way down. Like that to me, the the fights that that I'm I'm low on just from a fight perspective. Like is the ZM Puelas one and uh the, the Zell Huber uh Prado one because you know Zell Huber I mean Prado has it's more of a power puncher. So he he probably he probably he would have to win by he's he got five minutes to for a knockout and then you'd get pretty much done. And Zell Huber, I mean, he doesn't he's not he's not he's not a volume guy. I mean he's not he's doesn't really wrestle. He does. He, he's much more likely to stand on the outside, use his range, right, protect himself against you know the you know power shots of Prado, and then get a 30-27 point decision win, right. So those are the two fights that I'm less on. But John, you're going to be on crunch time tomorrow with uh, with Mike, yep. and uh, the the breakdown all because we're really. We're really not the fight breakdown people. I mean, we, even though we we kind of look at what are the paths for certain things to happen and what fights are we targeting, but that's mostly that's Mike H three Buddha and and Liam who have the Grounded Pound podcast, the expert survey, the 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 fight breakdowns, and everything that'll come out today for premium members. But then uh, then we we take we take our sim. Me and you are the Sims people, right? We like the podcast comes out. It's like okay, I listen to the podcast, but once our Sims come out. That's the page. That's the page that me and you look at the most. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, it's weird because I don't I don't do a lot of sims, but I, li I like to look at a lot of sim outputs if that makes sense. Um, actually, so just to, to touch on the last bit of the fights, I do like the Zellhuber fight, uh, the Zellhuber Prado fight a little bit more than the Twilight's um, Zion fight, uh, just because like I I think there's a chance Prado gasses out and then Zellhuber puts up a big score or or vice versa. Um, whereas you, the other why, one, why don't you just say the real reason, John? One guy's Mexican and the other guy isn't. Right. <laughs> um, that, that, that plays a role. <laughs> I won't lie. That is a it, that does impact my my thinking, especially in a fight that might might go to a decision. Uh, but I do. I think Zellhuber has a chance to put up a high score. Prado has a chance not to put up a high score. Whereas I don't think like Quiles and and Zion might not gas out because they might just be standing there. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so like less of a chance of one of them gassing out at the at the elevation in Mexico City. Um, if they're not really using up that much cardio. Um, but yeah, got the uh, takedowns article coming out later today. We'll have expert survey coming out later today, lineup HQ tags, um, and then crunch time tomorrow with uh, with Mike Brown H3 for the day. You know what I'm going to do, John, for, for shits and giggles? I, d I did it for a promo. I'm assuming I'm going to get a promo from Caesars or something like that. I definitely get these UFC promos, $10.00 boost whatever but you got to put you can't put it on just one thing you got to put some parlay together or something yeah uh the last time i got one of these uh i well i did well last week but the time before they were in they were in wherever they were in abu dhabi or whatever uh i just i i did like a six leg parlay of like where eight leg whoever had like the dos dov at the end all the all the all the dagestani names i just said I'm just taking all of them. I took them all across. They all won, right? So yeah. I turned like ten bucks into like four hundred dollars or something, whatever the else. I think I'm I'm gonna go and get, see what the lines are, and to win on all the Mexican fighters only in matchups when they're the only Mexican fighter. Yeah, exactly. I think, and so I do think like Brian Ortega, um, you know, does come out with Mexican flag. Which goes into my uh, goes into my thought process a little bit, so maybe not as big of an edge for Yair Rodriguez um, as we would think. Uh, so, but yeah, I think for the lower level fights, uh, that is something you should go into your thinking. <laughs> is that you know the, the home field advantage? Maybe maybe it's just that they're used to training in the elevation of Mexico City. It gives uh, you know gives them an edge. Uh, maybe a little bit of an edge on the judges' scorecards. And I do think the UFC does tend to for fights like this, right? Like, you know, even for, for Canada, like they put good Canadian fighters up against less good non-Canadian fighters for some of the preliminary fights. Uh you have to give the the home, you know, field something to to cheer for. So uh yes, yeah, definitely something that goes into my thinking. Don't hate the parlay idea, especially if you know if you can find uh, you know, a book where you're tending to get a little bit of a better line on the, the Mexican fighters, maybe parlay some of them together. Uh, not the worst idea in, in the world if you're trying to use up one of those bonuses. Right. It, it's it's not a racist thing. Like what we're talking yeah. about is like it's just the it's just that it's just the the natural biases of human beings, even if they don't realize that they're biased. Yeah. That that we tend to see that. That the home the home team tends to get the calls on the cards more often than not in these combat sports. Uh, you can't prevent obviously someone from getting knocked out or anything, but you also have the home. Also, it's probably it's probably much more uh, enjoyable 
to fight when the entire crowd is chanting for you versus booing the hell out of you whenever you do anything well. It has to play in somehow to all of this. Yes, they're baked into the win odds, but we're not we're not talking about win. We're talking about daily fantasy, where that I mean, it doesn't matter. Like whether or not Nymoff is minus, whether or not uh, Moreno is minus three hundred, minus five hundred, or minus one. Like he's an eighty eight hundred dollar fighter that's going to score points, like in whatever way that he scores points. So it, like, if I if I have a fifty fifty decision on who I'm going to play more often than not, it's probably going to be a fighter that when I open up the DraftKings app, it's a it's a Mexican flag. Yeah, um, there's so many ways where it, in, the crowd impacts the fight. Uh, they, I get it is an absolute like home octagon advantage. I mean, this is a sport where at some point it does go to a judge's scorecard, and the judges in a close fight need to decide like whose punches made more of an impact. And so I do. I think the crowd, you know, cheering after every fight or after every punch for one of the fighters, like I, it, you have to believe that makes an impact. It's a sport where a rep has to make a split-second decision. Do I need to stop this fight or not? Um, and, you know, again, after a big punch, when the crowd goes, you know, crazy, I, I, you have to think it makes a, you know, maybe a, it makes an impact around the edges. Um, you know, travel time, uh, you know, a fighter being in a place where they don't necessarily speak the language. Uh, you know, the elevation. I think there's so many edges for the Mexican fighters uh, in the, on this card. That yeah, I, I think that it is something you need to consider, and it is you know probably put into the lines somewhat. Uh, but yeah, maybe it goes into our into the fantasy scoring a little bit, and maybe it's not baked into the lines. Okay, John. So you'll be on Crunch Time tomorrow with H uh, three Buddha, Mike Brown. Uh, uh, there's NBA stuff tonight. I don't know if you're taking care of. Uh, if, oh, you are. You're going to be on. You're doing. You're doing everything today. NBA, MMA. It doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. Doing the regular NBA written content. I uh, won't have an article for today. I did the article for the, the big slate yesterday. Um, I do. I think it's a 730 start, which is uh, unusual on Fridays. Um, but we'll have the, the regular, you know, expert survey, uh, line of HQ tags out, um, you know, have the consensus value rankings. And then we'll have the regular um, grinders live in crunch time. And if you want that NBA content, as well as all the MMA premium content, remember the, the only thing that's free here for MMA is this show in crunch time. So if you want our projections, you want our ownership, you want our Sims, you want our fight breakdown article, expert survey article, Squirrel Patrol's takedown article, and all of the, all, everything. Combo premium, get everything. Get every, and we'll be back. We'll be back soon. You'll get everything with college. We got college basketball projections. We got, we got everything here for you. So sign up, click on that link in the description. You do get $10 off your first month. We also have a props and pick them package that's included with that. You can get that separately if you want. So uh, maybe there's some MMA props. There's NBA props tonight. I'll be I'll be taking care of that once I'm off the show, right? That's typically what, when I do it, see what the lay of the land is. So join us here, Roto-Grinders. Join the Discord, rotogrinders.com slash Discord. And I'll be back on Monday, like I always am here, talking about all the things you're thinking about in Daily Fantasy. Props and pick them on Roto-Grinders today. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.